I have been thinking of late um, about how my heart doesn't seem to match my surroundings. I don't know if you're like me, but I was really looking forward to spring. I am not a clouds and rain kind of person. Um, I do better in the sunshine. And during the winter, when the days are shorter and there's overcast times and um, uh, darkness seems to be longer, I get a little sad. So I was really looking forward to the time change, you know, when you get that extra hour and suddenly there's more day or so it appears, and more sunshine and warmer weather, just to be outside and to enjoy this wonderful city and do all these things. And yet I, just to be honest, struggling because my heart doesn't seem to be matching these surroundings. Everything looks glorious outside, the weather, the sunshine, the trees and the flowers. And yet in here, I feel a heaviness. Maybe it has to do with things that are happening around us, um, this constant barrage of sad news, or, or maybe it's just one of those times. I'm sure you've had them, seasons in your life where you have a heaviness in your heart, a sadness. So I have been drawn of late to the book of Psalms. I shared with you last week one chapter 37, and I want you to help me look at another. This is Psalms chapter 42. Please open your Bibles uh, if you've got them with you. If not, there's one in the pew in front of you. And uh, the book of Psalms is almost smack in the middle. Just crack it open and find number 42. Because in Psalm 42, we find what's called the Psalm of Lament. It is a song of sadness, a song of sorrow. And um, I've been drawn to this psalm in the past and I think God is leading me here again and maybe by leading me he intends to lead you so would you please look at the psalm with me is psalm chapter 42 and it begins with this phrase verse 1 as the deer pants for streams of water so my soul pants for you it's a song if you uh, grew up Adventist or I guess of late you might remember the song Right? As the deer. You remember the song? And I remember when I first sang it, and I was like, what, what is that? I, I don't know much about deer. They're not around here all that much. Um, what do they do? What are they like? So I remember we used to sing the song and just kind of make fun of it a little bit because we didn't understand what it means. But the psalmist, as he begins to write, he is looking and trying to express desire. And he says, as the deer pants for water, as the deer who longs for water, so my soul pants for you. He says, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. The psalmist who's writing this is a person who in a moment understands what it means to have his soul not match his surroundings. To have something going on inside of his heart that weighs him down, that brings a certain sadness to his soul. And he says the same way the deer is thirsty for water, the same way when the deer runs and looks for a stream, the same way my soul is thirsty for God. 
he asked this question, verse 2, chapter 42, Psalms. When can I go and meet with God? When can I go and meet with God? It's as if he's in a situation or a phase in life or a particular moment where he feels distant from God and he wishes he could find him. I don't know if that's you, if that's where you are. Perhaps you're not. Perhaps the birds are singing in your ears and this is a, 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 a moment in your life where it's nothing but sunshine and, and wonderful things. But maybe, just maybe, you're like me in this season and it feels like at times God is far away. And the psalmist says, when can I go and meet with God? And then he begins to tell us a little bit about what he's going through. Look, look here, verse three, my tears have been my food. Now, it's, it's an imagery, but... I, I want you to think about it, uh, what he's trying to say. He's essentially saying, I've been crying myself to sleep day and night. My tears have been my food. It's, it's, it's very poetic because it's a psalm. It's a song. But he's saying, I feel so burdened that I cry myself to sleep day and night while men say to me all day long, where is your God? A fascinating little, little uh, uh, phrase right there. Where is your God? And the thing about it uh, that draws me to the psalm is that essentially I'm a person, a pastor, a person who is at the center of spiritual life in our community. And oftentimes people come to me and want, you know, encouragement or, you know, to pray for them. And, and, and that is, you know, that's, that's what I'm called to do. And yet, by the same token that people seek out spiritual guidance for me, there are those in my own circle of friends, relatives, who don't believe or support this life. Who are constantly looking and saying, really? Does it really work? Where is your God? When things don't work out, when, when, when life isn't particularly rosy, when you're feeling down and you're expressing some sadness, they say, well, aren't you supposed to be a Christian? Doesn't God fix all this for you? Where is your God? It's a way of trying to undermine what you know in your heart but can't feel in this moment. And he says, the psalmist says, my soul thirsts for God because I feel like I'm far away from him and I'm crying myself to sleep. And in this, in this moment of despair, people come around and say, see? God is useless. See? Look at you. Where's God? Where's your God? It's as if we've been put in this position where we're supposed to live triumphantly in victory. And, and, and although that's true, what happens when that's not what you're feeling? What happens when things aren't working out? Though you believe, though you come to church, though you pray, what happens when you lose somebody? When you lose something? He says, my tears have been my food day and night. And in verse four, he says, these things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go with the multitude leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Theologians suggest that, that, that David wrote this psalm while he was on the run. On the lamb. You may or may not know the story, but David 
was anointed when he was a young man to be king. But there was a long time between the time he was anointed where the prophet laid his hands and said, you will be king, and the time he actually became king. There was a long season of waiting. There was a long season where the promise did not happen. And during the season, David left the, uh, the, 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 the shepherd fields and he moved to the, um, uh, the courtyard of the king. If you know the story, you've understand it in 1 Samuel and 1 Kings. Uh, David played his harp and he sang and he worshiped for the king. It's as if he knew the promise that was that he would be king, but he knew it wasn't time yet. And for a while, he loved and lived to be in the house of God where he could praise him. But in the moment he's writing this, something strange happened. If you know the story, um, the king who was in the the current king became jealous and, uh, and felt insecure, so he decided he was going to um, eliminate David. But David's friends told him, the king is plotting to kill you, so David ran away. You know the story, you probably read it a few times. And so he's on the run for his life, and the king sends men to persecute him. And, and the Bible tells us that essentially he ends up hiding out in caves and rocks, under rocks and places, just running for his life. And it is there theologians say that possibly he wrote these words where he remembers, he begins to remember what it was like to live in the courtyard of the king and to praise God. He says, I remember how I used to lead the procession and shout with joy. I remember what it was like when things were going great and I was in the house of God and I was praising and leading the worship service. I was up there playing my guitar and singing to God. But for the moment, he says, that is just a distant memory. Right now, it's just a memory, he says. Possibly because he's hiding out all alone in a cave somewhere, running for his life. And then he begins to talk to himself. Look at this, verse 5. And he says, why are you downcast, O my soul? Or in other words, why are you so depressed, my soul? Why are you so disturbed within me? This phrase really caught my attention because it, it, um, it really resonated with me. And I, like I said, I don't know if this is for you. And if it isn't for you, just close your ears, go to your happy place. It doesn't really matter. God has put this on my heart. Uh, there are sometimes things that come in and they begin to disturb us. Uh, sometimes it could be a seed of doubt, self-doubt, or doubt in the provisions of God. Sometimes it can be a, a, a family conflict and it just kind of comes in and tries to make a home in our hearts and messes everything up. And I don't know if that's what you're feeling now, but I am battling with some of that right now. I'm being honest with you. And so this phrase caught my attention, why so disturbed within me? He begins to talk to himself. The psalmist is hiding out. He remembers what it was like to praise God and to be in, in God's house and, and to be the, the, the at the center of blessing, but for the moment, that's not where he is. For the moment, he says, it's like God is far from me. It's like I'm thirsty for him, but I get nothing. 
And then he begins to look within himself and he says, I don't know why I can't shake this. Do you know, do you know what that's like? You know what it's like to like, you want to get past this, you want to get over this, but it's, it, it's in you. It's like, it's like inside and it's disturbing you and you, and you want to stop thinking about it. You want to stop letting it affect your mood and, and the way you see things. And, and the psalmist says, why am I so depressed? Why is this bothering me so much? And then he tells himself the solution. It's, 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 a, it's, it's an interesting verse. He's wrestling with himself. And he says to himself, put your hope in God. And we read last week, the psalmist tells us, put your, put your hope in God. Trust him. God will be your rock, your fortress, ever-present help in the time of trouble. God will be there for you. But it's one thing to tell others. It's another thing to have to tell yourself, to be faced with a situation where you have to use your own counsel. And this is the hardest thing for pastors. I'll be honest with you. We know what to tell you. <laughs> I mean, that's what we went to school for. But what, well, what about when your soul is thirsty? What about when things are dry in here? And the psalmist says, put your hope in God. And then he gives us and me in particular a secret weapon. Let me call it that, okay, that I want to share with you. He says, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him my Savior, and my God. And I want you to sit there with me for just a moment and understand the difference between the start of that verse and the end. He says, why am I so depressed? It's, I'm so disturbed. He says, I don't really understand. I can't shake this. I don't know how to get past this. But I will still praise my God. He just gave us a weapon for fighting the times in our lives when we are in a dry spell, in a thirsty land, in a sad and depressed state, in a place where we are feeling uh, hungry for God. He says, in that moment, I will put my hope in God. How? By praising him. This is counterintuitive. We talked about this this morning during the first service. It's counterintuitive because most of us think about praising God as a response to when God blesses you. And it's much easier to do that, right? Things are going well. You got a new job. You got a raise. Your family got back together. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah, we say. But that is not what the psalmist is saying. Look, he says, why am I so depressed? There's no answer to that yet. Why am I so disturbed? No answer. But I will yet Praise him, my Savior and my God. He calls into, in, in, into being a truth that he doesn't yet feel. I'm going to unpack that for you just a second. A lot of times when we come, you and I come to church, or we visit another church, we come and we say, let's see what pastor is doing. Let's see what the music team is doing. Let's see if it makes me feel anything. And we will measure our experience, spiritual, in the church, depending on whether the music moved me or the pastor's sermon moved me or not. And I will get out my, you know, it's not a literal one, but in your mind's a little checklist. Eh, he's all right. He wasn't that funny today. He didn't have any energy. You know, he didn't smoke, whatever. And we will make our checklist, fill out our program, and then we put it in our pocket, and we walk away, and we say, eh, it was all right. Church was, it didn't do anything for me. 
Because we are used to thinking of praise and worship as something that is circumstantial. We're thinking of praise and worship as something that is based on circumstances. If God is good, I'll praise him. If God is not good, I won't praise him. If the band is good, I will be moved. If the band is no good, not so moved today. If the pastor's sermon was funny, God was in the house. If the pastor was boring, God was not in the house. But all those statements are wrong. The psalmist says, I am depressed, but I praise God because he is my Savior and my God. It is not something I feel. It is something that is true, regardless of how I feel. So the key and the power is an unlocking that God is God no matter what you're going through. And that God is God even if you cannot feel him in this moment. And that God will still save you despite the fact that you are in a dry and thirsty land for the moment. And the psalmist says, you know what I'm going to do? I don't feel like praising him, but I'm going to do it anyway. I don't feel good right now. I feel depressed. I feel sad. I feel angry. But I'm going to sing anyway. There is power in that. Power that goes beyond comprehension. You hear that song, right? Why should I feel discouraged? Well, I got plenty of reasons. When Jesus is my Savior, his eye is on the sparrow, and if he watches the sparrow, he'll watch me. That's not how I feel, but I'm going to sing it anyway. There's something fantastic about what's going on here in this man's heart because he's being honest. It doesn't feel good right now, and you might be in that place in life at this moment. And you might be wondering, God is, must be far from me because I can't feel him. But the truth could not be more different. God is with you. Always, that is his promise. He said it. Always. The psalmist says, an ever present. That means always present, and especially in time of trouble. And God says, I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And the psalmist says, You know what? I'm going to call that truth to be, despite the fact that I see no evidence to support my claim. Think about it. He's saying, I will praise him, yet I will yet praise him. It's a prophetic moment because he says, I'm going to sing right now because I know that I'm going to get back to that place where I will sing in his house and I will lead the procession. Let's keep reading. He says, my soul is downcast. See that? He says, I'm going to praise him anyway. My soul is downcast. I'm depressed, but I will remember. I will still remember you, he says. From the land of the Jordan to the heights of Hermon, Mount Mizar, deep calls the deep and the roar of your waterfalls and all your waves and breakers have swept over me. But he calls into being, he reminds himself this, by day the Lord directs his love and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God my rock, why have you forgotten me? It's, a, it, it's, it's like a tug of war going on in his heart. It's what he feels versus what he knows. It's what he feels versus what he knows. It's what he's experiencing against what he's been taught, what he believes in. And there's a dissonance between these two. And I'm just telling you this because this might be you today. This might be you. Where you know God. You have known him. You understand and have claimed his promises in the past. But today, this day, just don't feel that. And the truest act of worship you can have 
is to praise his name anyway. The psalmist says, I say to God, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go on depressed, mourning, oppressed by my enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony, and my foes taunt me all day. Where is your God? He's struggling here, and you might be as well. And then he says again, Why are you downcast on my soul? Why so disturbed? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise his name. Church family, I want to I invite you to take a chance on praise. I want to challenge myself and you to take a step of faith and risk by proclaiming God's goodness even though you are not feeling any of it in the moment. Even if your life has fallen apart financially, even if your marriage, your relationship with your kids is under siege, even if your Adventism seems empty and void, when you start praising God for who he is, it's as if you have the power to unlock God's provision. It's a moment of prophecy. For the Bible tells us that God will bless you even through this dry season. In fact, he says he can make springs of water come to flow in a dry and deserted land. God can bring you out of this pit of despair. It may not happen right now. It may not happen overnight. It may take some time. There may be a time of seasoning between the time you have been given the promise and its fulfillment. There may be a time of growth, and for David in particular, it was a time when he had to learn to praise God regardless of the circumstances. When the going was good, praise God. When the going's not so good, praise God anyway. He is still God. He is still my Savior and my God. Nothing can change that. And no amount of difficulty in my life, no amount of people who can try to sabotage me that will change the fact that God is my God and that he sent his son to die for my sins. Nothing can change that. And I'm going to claim that despite the fact that I don't particularly feel it in this moment. Because when I begin to praise God, as the saying goes, when the praises go up, the blessings come down. The psalmist learned this in a cave. When he was being hunted on the run. Maybe that's you right now. Maybe you're on the run. Maybe you're facing difficulty and you've got to learn. You've got to learn to trust God despite your circumstance. That is faith, real faith. Believing and praising God when the going is good is not faith. And it is true faith that unlocks God's true power. You know what? He's going to bless you anyway. But the Bible tells us that he reserves the miraculous and powerful blessing to those who take a risk. For you today, that risk might be singing this next song. I'm telling you. For you today, that big risk might be open up your throat to say, shout to the Lord, my Savior, my God. For you today, it might be claiming to the person sitting next to you, you know what, husband, wife, friend, I still believe in God. I know we're going through a difficult time right now. I still believe in him. I'm going to trust him.
I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to claim him as my God, even though I'm disturbed and sad and depressed, even though things seem like they're falling apart. Why are you so downcast on my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. As the band comes up here to sing our last song, I want you to think about it. It may not be this song here. It may be something that happens this week in your life and in your journey where you've got to take a chance and say, you know what? I still believe in him. I'm still going to sing. I'm still going to pray. I'm still going to read my Bible. I'm still going to worship him in my own way. I'm still going to claim my God as my God. I don't know what that step is going to be for you. It might just begin right now. As you lift your voice and praise, as you lift your thoughts and praise, this is how we take down the stronghold of discouragement. Praises break the chains of discouragement. You know what they say? If you force yourself to smile, you become happy anyway, even if you were sad. Try it. Next time you're sad, just force a smile in there and like your mood will just happily elevate. It's just like that. You might be discouraged. You might be facing difficult challenges, but praise God anyway. Sing these songs. He says, as I'm going out, as I'm moving through, it's like an everyday prayer. It's not just when you come to church. It's not just in here. It's at home. It's in the car. It's in the moments when you feel most far from God. You say, you know, God, you're still my Savior. You're still my God. I will not let you go because you'll never let go of me. But it begins here. Do you know that David so longed to be where you are right now? Can you imagine? Just dying to be where you're sitting there. Dying to be able to stand and say, Oh God, I'm in your house. To him, that was, that was the, the, the culmination of his heart's desire. He says, I'm so thirsty for that, just to be in God's house and to praise him. Something that you and I maybe walked in this morning, yeah, I'm here, whatever. But for David, that was like the ultimate thing because in the moment, he was so far. He longed to be where you are. But you're here. You and I are here. We can stand together and praise God despite our circumstances. We can shout to his, to his glory. And the God who hears that praise will smile down upon us and will bless us. The God who hears that praise will unlock the chains that continually bind you to sin and to heartbreak. So would you stand and at least consider this moment as an opportunity to let God take control and take charge?